Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to The Ralph Report for a brand new week. It is Monday, April Fool's Day. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. No show today. Bye, suckers. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if that was the end of the show? We should totally have done that. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, I don't like April Fool's Day. I've never really done much on it, to be honest. I consider April Fool's Day to comedy as is New Year's Eve to drinking. Yeah, amateur hour. It's for amateurs, yes. (laughs) Because invariably, has anyone ever really done an April Fool's joke that made you laugh? No. It's never about laughter. No, it's not about about laughter. It's fucking you over in some way. Horribly fucking you over, and then you realize you've been fucked over, and then you get pissed. Right. So it should be... April pissed off day. It's really not fool's day. No one has a good time. Yeah, it's piss off your friends and family day. Except the person who's doing the joke in quotes, but it's not really a joke. It's not a joke because the only person laughing is the person telling it, which right. is not the point of a joke. That's not the idea. The idea is to elicit humor in other people to make them right. laugh. So fuck April <laughs> fool's day. We'll get to that later on in holiday and holiday. It is April 1st, the beginning of a brand new month. I, of course, am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting across from me here in the Batcave is the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. Good show for you today. We're going to finally get around to our favorite Bonds, our favorite James Bond actors, our favorite James Bond movies, and our favorite James Bond theme songs, as requested by you, the Garmy. We'll get to that later. And here's good news for Eddie Pence. It's hard to fail in this particular list. <laughs> I'll find a list. way. I'll find a way. Because most James Bond movies are good and the worst ones are just okay They're watchable and then there's like octopussy but other than that most of them is you know it's not like the fall guy or something oh, come it's on not like where Play you can the fall guy you can have a list an answer on the list that would just be abysmal i so, almost put octopussy as number one as my that favorite. would have been hilarious and i would have tossed you out of the room it's the first bond i ever saw in a movie theater that's no excuse That's ignorance of the law is no excuse, sir. Anyway, we're going to get to that later on. Also, interesting interview with a member of the Garmy named Al Marinero. I'm saying that wrong. Al Man... Oh, fuck this guy's name. Al... Just call him Al. I did during the whole interview. I never said said his last name during the entire interview. Al Manorino. There we go. Sorry about that, Al. Al Manorino. He is a concert photographer. And you remember last week we were talking about the big hullabaloo, the big Grande, brouhaha yeah, yeah. with Ariana Grande and the restrictions she was putting on the people who were taking photos of her at her concerts. Yeah. Ridiculous restrictions. Anyway, Al is a concert photographer. That's what he does. So we'll talk about this particular set of rules and regulations she's insisting upon from the people who shoot her. Is this the industry norm? Has he run in other situations like that? It's a good chat with a member of the Garmy Al. Manorino. Manorino. There we go. Uh, and also the usual nonsense. Uh, holidays and holidays, we mentioned uh, the showbiz news. But first, before we get to any of that, what I'd like to do is play some of your voicemail messages. As you know, there's plenty of ways you can reach out to us. You can do it via social media. 
You can do it via the email, Ralph, Eddie, or Steve at theralphreport.com. Or you can leave your messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week here at the Ralph Report hotline. That phone number is one 833 So easy to remember. So easy to make the call. I grab a handful of them. I listen to all of them. And over the weekends, I got to tell you, that, that line backs up. Does it? Yeah. I listen to all of them, and then we throw them onto the front of the show with a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ross going to play your calls now. Let's see what's on your mind. I got to tell you, I didn't realize what I was starting last week when we started talking fairly uh, regularly about the demise of the holiday or holiday segment. Oh, is it a stirring? Is it stirring a up lot a of people are very attached to that segment. <laughs> I had no idea. I always found it fascinating because you know me, I love the origins of things. Yeah. And I love trivia, but I figured, you know, we're going to replace it with this day in history. The his- the so in history. It'd be similar. Same. No, not for some people. Oh, they are insisting it stick around. And last week, the suggestion was, I think, from John Cooperman, John Cooperman is, who doesn't want his jingle to go away. Because he was flailing about. Said, you could, but there's weekends, and then you can still have twice a thing with it. And I was like, I'm not going to start doing math and trying to figure out what holidays we missed and which ones we didn't. And, of course, in retrospect, that was a dumb thing to say. A lot of members of the Garmy straightened me out, like Elizabeth. Hi, Ralph. My name is Elizabeth. I just paused the show after John Cooperman's call. He is half right. If you play Holiday or Holiday on Mondays, it will cover uh, the days that you uh, miss during the year. So you don't have to go back and double check anything. Saturdays uh, will then move to Sundays. So technically you could keep doing it. Uh, on a Monday for the upcoming year. Uh, that's it. Have a great day. Bye. Why are you laughing, Eddie Pence? It's like they're just, they're, 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 they want, they want it so bad. Well, they do. They're finding any way to keep it. And you know what? They're the bosses. They know. They I are agree. the subscribers to the Ralph Report. So if they yeah. want it, you I mean, she it. brings an excellent point mm-hmm. up. Everything, you know, from year to year shifts a day. Right. So if we just stick it to Mondays, you if we do it, do it a as a regular bit on Mondays. Yeah. Then we can do it for two more years, basically, yeah. because we'll do all the Sundays from this year first, and then everything will switch. Everything will swap over, and then the next following year, those Sundays will become that year's Monday. We don't have a leap year coming up, do we? That's not oh, screw for fuck's sake. Is that going to fuck anything up? I, I'm sure it will. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> There's a leap year. It's going to screw everything. Well, right? let's try it. I mean, people really want the segment to continue. So what, what we'll do want. is we'll do it on Mondays, and then for the rest of the week, the rest of the week we can do uh, this week, uh, this day in history. Yeah, well, you got to put together. So yeah, <laughs> it's all the work is on you. It's, it's all just looking stuff up anyway. Yeah. So if I look up you know, what the holidays are or what the day in history was, it doesn't make that much difference to me, but people really no, want that bit want to stick around. I just come in here and sit down and you talk and I respond. That's right. So listen, you got your way. Don't worry, folks. It's not going to happen. Uh, when we get to May, which is when I think we started the segment, I'll have to do some research to find out when the first one was. But uh, what we'll do is we'll just start doing it on Mondays. So everybody relax. You can still have that. <laughs> Speaking of holidays or holidays, we talked about National Nevada Nevada day, day yeah. yesterday, uh, last Friday, week, Friday, right? on Friday, yeah. And boy, did I hear from some uh, Nevadians from Nevada, what, what Nevada Nights, Nevadaites. Nevadaites. I'm not sure what Nevada you call people who live in Nevada, but they were all kinds of cheesed off. 
And for all the wrong reasons, I might add. Hi, uh, Ralph. This is Tim from Las Vegas. And uh, I just had a pause starting Friday's show in a little bit because uh, Nevada Day is in October, not March. Uh, I don't know where you get your information from. But, uh, yeah. Love you. Bye. Yeah. I don't know where you're getting your information from. (laughs) That was one of the polite calls, by the way, that I played. Really? Some people from Nevada were flipping, flipping, listen to me like I'm still on the radio, (laughs) fucking furious with me. Because Nevada Day is in October. One guy was like, I was in the newspaper because I once did a story on Nevada Day when I was in school and they covered it. He did, gave me like a 13-minute message about Nevada Day. <laughs> Listen up, people in Nevada, you sore asses. This, there are two different things. Nevada Day is a state holiday in Nevada that celebrates the day that they became they a state. They were founded as a state, right? In October. Okay, National Nevada Day is a different holiday. Right. That's the holiday where the rest of the country turns its eyes to Nevada and gives you a salute. They're two different holidays. They don't want that salute. I guess guess they don't. Now I'm sorry we did it. (laughs) Just give them the one day. That's all they want. Who knew that Nevada was filled with a bunch of dickheads? (laughs) I can't tell you. I got a handful of angry voicemails from people in Nevada. Start calling it Nevada. Yeah, really. How about Nevada? Nevada. Probably Nevada Nevada Day. How about that? I go out of my way to present, pronounce the goddamn state the way you do, and I get nothing but shit for it. Well, they just don't want two days. So here is the resolution. See, Nevada Day in Nevada, Nevada, Nevada is a state holiday, and then there's National Nevada Day where the rest of the union gives you your just desserts. But they should call it Sore Ass Day, apparently, because <laughs> you guys are a bunch of sore asses. Um, Nico called in, and I can't believe we're still fucking talking about goddamn Blues Traveler. But Nico called in, and you remember how we talked to, I guess it was Jenny, who uh, last week never knew the actual lyrics to Love in an Elevator? Yeah, Love in a Levita. She thought it was Loving it in Levita, and she didn't know where Levita was or why it was so great to to be there. (laughs) Nico had a different set of problems with a blues traveler song. All right, this is Nico from D.C. I never thought I would actually be in this group of people who have heard song lyrics completely wrong and never questioned it my entire life. But you played The Hook by Blues Traveler the other day, and boy, was I not aware that that was about a hook. I've always heard The Hole brings you down. You know, like when you step in a fucking hole. I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Eddie Penn. What? Why is it my fault? Love you, mean it, bye. Wow, why? I don't know why you're getting the blame for that. Oh. I think it's just sort of a catch-all. I guess, I'll take it, whatever. Once again, the song is called Hook. The title of the song is H-O-O-K. Not whole, although the whole brings you back actually would be true in a whole different set of circumstances. <laughs> but he thought it was the whole brings you down like you step in a hole Let's take a listen again and see if anyone can hear that in here. I certainly can't. I'm not hearing it. I mean, it's not a like there's not like a hard K on that hook, no, but still maybe. it's 
It certainly is... doesn't sound like brings you down. No. The back is pretty clear. Yeah, the back is very clear. So if the hole brings you back, that would almost make more sense to me, depending on who you're dating. <laughs> Sometimes you can't stand the girl, but the hole brings you back, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you make bad choices. Your your brain is telling you one thing. But the hole. But the hole brings you back. The hole brings you back. That every, I every understand. Time. Every time. Nico. <laughs> Sometimes things happen on the show that I miss. Other people pick up. And uh, I often thank the Garmy for bringing these things to my attention. Such is the case today. Hey, Ralph. I got to tell you, the uh, sound that Eddie Pence made after you announced Xena Warrior Princess's birthday was definitely a little creepy. His creep factor is kind of going up there. Love you. Yeah, bye. Now, I didn't notice it at the time, but we did celebrate Lucy Lawless's <laughs> birthday last week, and I had to go back to see what this caller was talking about. Here's Eddie Pence's reaction to Lucy Lawless's birthday. Lucy Lawless, Xena, Warrior Princess, mm. celebrates her 51st birthday. <laughs> Don't even remember doing oh, that. Oh, man. That is a little creepy. Once again, Lucy Lawless, Xena, Warrior Princess, mm. celebrates her 51st birthday. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Mm. Wow, I have no I, I have no memory of doing that. That was an involuntary was a- <laughs> yummy noise. Lucy Lawless, Xena, Warrior Princess, mm. celebrates her 51st <laughs> That's so birthday. Right. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, God, I hope I don't do that to other people. That's like Joe Biden nuzzling oh. someone's hair and giving them a kiss oh. on the back of oh. the head. <laughs> That's that level creepy. Mm. Lucy Lawless, Xena, Warrior Princess, mm. celebrates her That's 51st so birthday. You dirty old oh, man. That makes me grossed out. Uh, we have talked on this show before that I do not think it's a good idea. I recommend against it that you call the Ralph Report hotline while you're under the influence. We had Kennel of Rats that we talked about for a long time. That was a top ten moment last year. It was. Uh, (laughs) Dolores called in when she was rolling. Someone had given her some ecstasy. Oh, wow. And I guess she was feeling chatty. Here is the first call from Dolores. Okay. So I just took a triple sack of ecstasy. I'm not going to give you my real name, Ralph, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And just reminding you that I'm going to call you again because we we found this thing on Reddit where you can minus the um mm-hmm. you can minus one letter of any movie in the world one letter and it sounds sexual. Huh. So I was going to call you and just like give you a list, right. but someone Lyrics. just gave me some ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but I don't know why I just felt like I need to call you. Mm-hmm. So I hope you have a good night. Uh-huh. LMB, like my, I don't know, my, um, lick my cornhole. I don't mm. know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> LMB, lick my cornhole. <laughs> That would not fulfill the obligation there to find a B word at all. Anything with B would work, right? Yeah. Uh, What do you think the odds are Dolores called back? Oh, 100%. Okay. So when you give, and maybe this could be a good topic to talk about, when you give someone some ecstasy, Uh the last thing you want to do is put them in the middle of a room by themselves Mm -hmm. with new music playing. Okay. (laughs) So this is why I'm calling you, mm-hmm. and um, I, I mean I've been playing music on my phone, but I guess it's just not the best thing right. to um, 
be alone in a room where you just want to freaking touch everyone's face. So, um, I'm drinking a lot of water. So oh, good. I hope you guys have a good day. Yeah, me um, too. With my, um, I don't know, bed sheets. Yeah, bed sheets. Oh, you got a better. B word. Getting better. Congratulations. How many phone calls do you think, Eddie, I I'm, got from Dolores I'm that gonna night? I'm going to say five. Ah, uh, I wish. <laughs> you got more than five. I counted around nine. Oh nine phone calls from <laughs> Dolores in various states of inebriation. Uh, she was talking to me about Legos at one point. She was in a room, found some Legos. Then she found a deck of cards. She was playing solitaire. It was Did she ever come back to the, the, the movie names? No. Dropping one? Oh, no. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That'd be insane. There was another LMB lick my vagina. I thought it was pretty strong in one of the calls. Vagina? No. Vagina. I was worried. By the by the ninth call or so, I was like, uh, this girl is going to need paramedics. Well, luckily, I kept going through the voicemails, and then this one popped up. Okay, Ralph, this is Dolores again. I survived the evening in the room with the Legos. Letting you know, I woke up, got myself up. I'm okay now. I went home. I'm having coffee, and I'm safe. <laughs> um, remember, like I said, if there's a way that you can go back into the voicemail and delete the message that you had, I'm not quite sure what I told you, but I know I spoke to you. Yeah, a so, lot. Um, <laughs> hi, Eddie. LMB. Bye. Bye. <laughs> At least she got home and she's safe. And she, she's, she's she had the wherewithal to give you the, hey, I'm yeah, okay phone I appreciate call. it because I nice. was genuinely concerned for her well-being. And no, there's no option where you can go back in and erase the messages you left. Here's the here's the key to that whole situation. Don't get loaded and then start dialing. Oh, man. Just keep it to yourself. Or write it down. And if it's a good idea then, it'll be a good idea tomorrow when you're drinking the coffee. <laughs> Did you make available to the four-star generals all the phone call messages? Oh, man. So they can hear the uh, whole trip. It was nuts. <laughs> anyway, the last phone call. This is awesome. Dylan, our favorite Canadian, called oh, back. Yeah. If you are a, a two, three, or four-star general, then this weekend you got a little bonus video, courtesy of our friend Steve Ashton. He took Dylan's most recent call, where he was chastising Eddie over nut enjoying maple syrup, <laughs> and he dubbed it to Bob and Doug McKenzie from SCTV yeah. from the Great White North sketch they used to do. It was really awesome, and I thought it was very funny. A lot of the Garmy members enjoyed it. No one more so than Dylan himself, and he just called in to say thank you to Steve. Hey there, Ralph and Andy. It's Dylan from London, Ontario. So I just wanted to say thank you, kind of in person, not just over Twitter, to, to Steve and you and Eddie and Carrie and everyone over there involved in Ralph Port Banksy, everyone for liking and retweeting and sometimes following me with that video mashup by the wonderful, talented Steve Ashton. It's actually my birthday today on March 31st, so that's a really great birthday present. I really appreciate that. It's made my heart grow as big as a moose. Which, you know, might be some sort of medical condition, but yeah. nothing some maple syrup won't fix. Right, Eddie? Lick my beery. There you go. There's from Dylan. Love hearing from Dylan. He's the happiest person in the world. He's Canadian. Oh they have free health care. Yeah, that's what true. have to worry about? That would make me happy. Absolutely. All right. Thanks to everybody who called in and left your messages. I love that segment so much. You can be part of it if you want to, but of course, you got to take the first step and you got to call me. Call me.
But now for its passionate fan base, it's time for that segment we call Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. This is the segment where we take a look at the big calendar that hangs here on the Batcave wall and we let you know what holidays are celebrated on this day of the year. April 1st is today's date. If we like the holiday, we'll give it one of these. If we reject it, that's the sound you'll hear. And here's a big first to the first holiday of April 1st, April Fool's Day. Right out of the gate. Oh, April Fool's Day. Where did it come from? No one really knows. However, we do know there are some ancient rituals of merrymaking surrounding the date of April 1st. So it might be one of those deals where they just stole from a bunch of different cultures yeah. and slapped it onto a holiday. Uh, for example, the Indian tradition of Holi is celebrated on March 31st. That has the same sort of tomfoolery as April Fool's Day. There's also a Roman festival of Hilaria that was celebrated on March 25th. There's a bunch bouncing around. But it looks like uh, the, the closest we can get to an origin for this holiday is that the Gregorian calendar that was created by Pope Gregory used to start the year on April 1st. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So apparently April 1st was a day for much celebration and merriment, okay. so they think maybe that's why it stuck around. Regardless, it's dumb. <laughs> Stop doing it. Don't. <laughs> I don't know if people came on to listen to the show today expecting some sort of hilarious April Fool's gag where I pretended to have oh. a, a broken leg or some terminal illness or something. that's not funny. Those it's are, not. Those are practical jokes, and no one ever laughs at those except the practical joker. I once was working at a bar. I used to tend bar on Venice, on the Venice boardwalk down by Venice Beach. And two guys who worked with me came in. I was doing the early morning shift, not the early morning shift, but I was opening up the day on the weekends. I used to go in because that was our big, uh, our big busy days during the summer, especially Saturdays and Sundays, because people would come in and drink and sit on the, on the cafe sidewalk there and look at the ocean and the people roller skating by and stuff. So I was setting up and two guys came in and said, someone's stealing your car. And I picked up a baseball bat that was behind the bar and I ran out there to the parking lot. Ready to kill somebody. And and nothing was going on and they started laughing their ass off. And I was like, what is the Uh, least bit funny about any of this? They're enjoying it. But how could they even enjoy it? Just because they fooled me into thinking someone was stealing my car? Is that even funny to them? I don't Apparently know. it was. I guess so. That's what I always think of on this day. Anyway, well, that's why you day. hate it so well, much. I usually forget it's April Fool's Day. That's how they get you, man. Yeah. Because somebody I know, but then they say something. Like, makes oh. you a sucker. All right. So screw that. <laughs> Today's also DNA Day. DNA Day. It's the day we celebrate James Watson and Francis Crick. They discovered the double helix, as it's known. They they mapped out DNA for the first time. I don't begin to pretend to understand DNA no. or how it all works, no but idea. I know it's sort of the stuff we're all made up of. Yeah, I guess you can reprogram it and make superhumans. Right, so you can be a mutant if your DNA if you gets fucked up. figure out how to manipulate it. Get bitten by a radioactive spider, yeah. then it all changes. I don't know anything about it, but I guess it's kind of important because medicine stuff is cool. Yeah, you put a weird frog in there, then you can turn into different sex and fuck the other person. What like now? Jurassic Park. That's, oh, that's, okay. That's, they put the frog in because right. they, they only bred females, then, right. then life that's, finds a way. I was not clear with what life you were saying at all. Well, in my so head, You put was... a frog in, and then you get to fuck the other person. <laughs> I was like, in my head, it was super clear. <laughs> that's a weird Super thing. clear in my head. Anyway, April yeah, Fools. there you go. Everybody have some DNA. <laughs> want some DNA? I'll give you some DNA. 
Today's also National One Cent Day. Ugh. Oh, we still have the penny, don't we? We still do. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, it is kind of. I, I don't understand why. Is it just tradition? Do we just... Americans hate to give shit up. They really do. They, they just cling to hold stuff. on to stuff. The penny's and, useless. It's ridiculous. The first penny, by the way, was created in 1787 in a private mint that was designed by Benjamin Franklin. He designed the very first penny. On one side of the coin... It read, we are one, which is a nice sentiment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not kidding you. This is not April Fool's gag. On the flip side of the coin, it read, mind your business. Really? Yes. <laughs> Let's bring that coin back. Yes. I would hand that out like a calling oh, card I'd to people. I'd throw handfuls of those I'd people. say, here you go. Read this. Mind your fucking business. Here's a penny. And then in uh, 1792, the United States Mint was first created, and that's when they started making those pointless, useless, little one-cent coins. Seems like the, the original one by Benjamin Franklin was made as a joke, almost. Uh, no, I think it was just more of his useful uh, advice. You know, yeah, he had, he had business. Uh, yeah. uh, Poor Richard's Almanac, where he always oh, that's had right. little that's right. yeah, uh, pithy little slogans of how you should live your life and stuff, and I think that's what we that really meant. need to do away with the penny. He was trying to be helpful, but yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. Either that or lower the price of everything. Wait, right. I mean, I guess <laughs> at one point, cheaper, pennies meant something because you could buy something for, for under a four quarter. cents. <laughs> under a nickel. Yeah, exactly. I'll keep the nickels. I can understand a nickel. I can count by fives. I don't know if we need the, the one. So I'm sorry, Penny, but <clears throat> got to say no. And, you know, I leave the food-related holidays for the end because it's always fascinating to hear whether Eddie Pence would eat something or not. We don't know. It's a question mark. And, and something as simple as today's, you would think, would be a no-brainer. And I say to you, nay, nay, I say, because there's no rhyme or reason to the man. This is a this is one of the staples of life. This is something as basic as mankind itself. Maybe the first thing man ever made, really created, what besides be? like picking shit off of trees and eating fruit and stuff. Something that had to be baked, had to be made for man to to survive. Right. Today is National Sourdough Bread Day. Now, bread, as you think, is just a staple of life, right? Yeah. Everybody eats bread. But I don't know. I don't know if Eddie Pence eats sourdough bread or not. Maybe no, because no, it's sour. It's right in the name or some fucking bullshit. But here's the story of sourdough bread. It is the oldest leavened bread that we know of. We know like they used to make matzah and stuff yeah. back in the day, unleavened bread. But sourdough is created from a long fermentation of the dough, and then good bacteria and stuff gets in there, and then the yeast uh, naturally rises, and then they bake it. So it gives it a little bit of a sour taste, but it's a it's a pleasantly sour so taste. It's the first bread that they baked that that rose. Yes, from yeast. exactly right. right. Gotcha. And they found that just by leaving the dough around, I think for a while, Someone the bacteria forgot about it. What the happened. bacteria created the the yeast to ferment, and that's what made it rise. And then they put it in the oven. It is, um, they can go back as far as the ancient Egyptians in 1500 BC to find the original bakers of sourdough bread. And then it was very popular here in California during the gold rush. It was easy to make and it's still part of the San Francisco culture today. Sourdough bread's a big deal up there in Northern California. So everyone I know loves a good loaf of sourdough because it's got that really crisp crust too. And then you slather some butter on there and oh, that's good eating for most of us. But who knows if it's good eating for Eddie Pence or not. We got to pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. See if something he eats or not. So let's do it. Hold your breath. Here we go. We got one loaf, two loaves, three loaves of bread. (laughs) Eddie Pence is eating bread. 
I'm eating bread. Wow. I'm eating That's bread. That's what we've come to. It is. That it's a celebration when Eddie Pence <laughs> eats a piece of fucking bread. <laughs> sourdough bread is okay with I you, I like huh? sourdough bread. I love sourdough bread. Wow. I love it. That... Is a shock to it's me. It's good. I genuinely thought you'd say no. It's all. It's, it's white bread sourry. or nothing. It's just Wonder Bread or bust. That's what I figured your answer would be. No, I've evolved. It is. It's. It's not. It doesn't taste like regular bread. It doesn't. Bread, it doesn't. It's good bread. It's, it's good. A little bit I even sour, like. Though. I even like the little bit of the sour taste. And it. it's, it's crusty. It's, it's got that, a hard that's, crust. That's my to favorite it. part. Is the hard crust. Wow. See, now you know why I go nuts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now you know why this bit is always a question mark to me. Because there's no rhyme or reason. But it's hard on the outside, and it's like kind of soft on the inside. You get warm butter in there. Yeah. Oh, man. Just like me. Hard, crusty on the outside. Yeah, but you get through that crust. Soft and mushy on the inside. <laughs> filled with butter. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> That's it for today's holiday, or holiday. Now it's time to take a look at the entertainment news with a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. On Mondays, we like to take a look at the weekend box office numbers to figure out what people went to see in theaters over the weekend. Number one, as expected, but but not nearly as much as they expected, Dumbo landed at the number one spot with $45 million this weekend, and that was way under what they predicted. I've heard some mixed reviews on it. Um, I know we talked about this on Friday when we were uh, going through the movie beat. See, interest seemed to be not strong for yeah. this. wasn't something a lot of people are anticipating. Yeah, it, I wasn't. <laughs> My kid wasn't. I wasn't. My son wasn't. I don't think Dumbo really is. Don't be wrong. I know it's a Disney classic, but it may not be as beloved as some other Disney films. Yeah, maybe it's not that's like why they're remaking all the the princess movies into live action films. And I think that has a little bit more of a lure to kids. Yeah, and here's my take on Dumbo. It's that when you remake a movie that has a human protagonist, you can make the transition to live action easier than when you're trying to replicate an animated animal. Yeah. Because, although, you know, people would say, what about Jungle Book? That did very well. But Mowgli still is the center of that story. So you got a real kid, you can kind of grab onto that. But it's hard to do any better than the Disney animators did in showing emotion on the face of an animal than they did, you know, back With in the, the original day. Dumbo, yeah. When you're doing it pseudo live action, you're just using CGI. I don't know if you get the same emotional impact that you do with an animated cartoon. Yeah, and it, and, it, and you lose that element of fantasy to it when you see it in live action I think as so, opposed right? to the animated way. Yeah. Well, for whatever the reason, it only made forty-five million dollars, which is still respectable, and it was good enough to make it number one. Us was number two at the box office with $33.6 million. Then Captain Marvel came in with $20.5 million, making her number three at the box office. Five Feet Apart was fourth. And then at number five, Unplanned. Unplanned was number five at the box office with $6.1 million. Are you familiar with Unplanned? We talked about it, right? Was the the two people trying to have a kid, right? No, that was making babies. Oh, that was making babies. What's Unplanned? Unplanned, I did not know what it was until I took a look at this list, and I said, we didn't even talk about this film. I thought that was the baby one. It's another one of those religious movies. This is an anti-abortion film where a woman has an unplanned pregnancy, Mm. and Jesus comes down and talks to her or something i'm not i'm I'm not really quite sure of the details but these religious films man they make money well they have a dedicated group that they do and you know what i've heard that some um especially the right-wing religious groups do is they will rent out the entire theater 
Yeah, to make sure the box office gets sold out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll load up a bus with people and, and they'll they'll take as many as they can, but sometimes these theaters are sold out but only half yeah. filled with people. They so bought all the tickets. It doesn't necessarily reflect how many people went to see this film right. this weekend. But still, number five. Number six was Wonder Park. My kid loved that. Number seven, How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World. Hotel Mumbai. We talked about this film. It made $3.1 million in limited release this weekend. Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral still in the top ten at number nine. And then Beach Bum, the new Matthew McConaughey oh, yeah. film. Made $1.8 million, making it number 10, and making it the lowest grossing Matthew McConaughey film ever. I I didn't even even see that coming out. I finally saw the preview, I think, just recently. It snuck under my radar, too. Because, you know, when we do the Friday shows, I do the movie beat, and I look at the new movies that are coming out. It wasn't even listed in the source that I was looking at. Like, I saw the preview, I'm like, I wonder when that's coming out, and it was already out. So I'm assuming it's it's a limited release film, but still... $1.8 $1.8 million in your opening weekend. Mm. That is not all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right, let's take a look at other stories in the showbiz news. This is Jesse Smollett's story continues mm-hmm. to be front and center in the entertainment news. Now people are taking shots at him on television, too, which I thought was pretty awesome. I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live this past I weekend. I did this week. They had a very funny sketch where uh, Jesse Smollett shows up. Chris Redd played him, by the way. He's a very funny guy. Uh, shows up at a meeting with the producers of Empire to try to get his job back. Okay, so Lee Daniels <laughs> is there, played by Kenan Thompson. And his manager was there, played by Sandra Oh, the host this weekend. And they're waiting on him, and they're waiting on him. And he's two hours late for this meeting, and they're cheesed off because he's trying to save his career here. And they're sitting around and waiting for him until he finally shows up. Here's a little piece of that sketch from Sarnet Live this weekend. Mr. Daniels, I have represented Jesse his entire career. I am sure there is a very reasonable explanation for why he's so late right now. Well, I just hope it's not some crazy excuse. I'm so sorry I'm late. Jesse. Oh, my God, are you okay? Guys, you are not going to believe what just happened to me. Not again. Really, man? No, I, I know what you're thinking, but it's not that. Okay, so what is it? I got attacked again. That's exactly what we were thinking, Jesse. Oh, okay, good. So you believe me? No, they don't believe him. He says, but wait, I've got a bag full of clues here that was left at the scene of the crime. And it's like crest whitening strips and stuff. They tried to make me white. And it was it was very funny. So they were taking some shots. And they weren't alone. Chris Rock was hosting the NAACP Image Awards this really? weekend. And Jesse Smollett actually was nominated for one of those awards. For Best Supporting Actor on Television. Now, he had the common decency not to show up to the award ceremony. Yeah. But apparently, according to Chris Rock, who was the host, he was told by producers not to make any Jesse Smollett jokes, which is something he simply could not abide. Yeah. He mentioned it and then went right into a couple of them. Here's a little Chris Rock hosting the NAACP Awards from this weekend. They said no Jesse Smollett jokes. <laughs> yeah. I know what a waste of light skin you know you know what I could do with that light skin (laughs) that curly hair my career would be out of here fucking running Hollywood (laughs) um yes no 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 just (laughs) did What the hell was he thinking? (laughs) 
he went on to say oh. that from now on he's calling him Jesse Smollett. Now, that, <laughs> you don't Jesse. get the U. That's a sign of, <laughs> to, for me to pronounce your name correctly is a sign of respect, and I'm not giving you the U That's anymore. That's the point of a comedian yes, to do what he did. Absolutely. And the crowd loved it. They ate yeah. it up. Yeah. Of course, it helps that it's Chris Rock. If Ricky right. Gervais had gone out and oh, done no, that, no, no, I don't no, think no, the reaction no, would have been but quite the same. But that's the point. That's his job as a comedian to do that. Absolutely. To point out the ridiculous yes. things that are going on in society. Here's some nerd news. Looks like Ezra Miller may be done as The Flash over there at Warner Brothers. You may remember that Ezra Miller played the role of The Flash in the Justice League movie. Well, they're having some trouble trying to put together a standalone Flash movie at Warner Brothers. They had a script that was written by two guys, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. Uh, those were the guys who wrote, oh shit, I'm trying to remember the film that they wrote. They've done some comedy stuff in the past. And apparently, this take on The Flash was sort of lighthearted. Yeah. And Ezra Miller was not happy with that at all. He wanted a dark, gritty Flash. But that's not the Flash he played in... No, exactly. But he wanted the story to be more like Flashpoint. If you know anything about the yeah, comics, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a big arc where he goes back and screws up the timeline. And uh, so he said, I'm going to write my own script for the Flash movie. Oh, no. And he did that in combination with a comic book uh, author named Grant Morrison, very talented guy. And they worked out a screenplay and presented it to Warner Brothers. And Miller pretty much said, either this is the movie we do or I'm not going to be the Flash anymore. And Warner Brothers read the script, and by all accounts, they liked it, but it wasn't the direction they wanted to go in with the movie. Right. And they said no, and so he said, okay, then I'm out. So it looks like they may have to recast the role of the Flash. So they lost the Flash, Batman, and Superman. Yeah, that's uh, most of the Justice League is not coming back. <laughs> oh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, I think, are the only carryovers <laughs> wow. from that film. Wow. So, look... I hope they I hope they reboot the suit too because that flash costume looked I like, like the costume. He looked like a BMX rider from the future or something. Yeah. It was it was really like, not I, very aerodynamic. It looked like Rollerball 2020 yeah, or something. It was like. not a good and look. I didn't like his characterization of the flash I either. I didn't either. I didn't like that film at all. No. And it's so funny, you know, my wife and kid are uh, out of town this weekend cuz my kids got spring break so my wife took her on a trip. And so they're having a little girls trip. So I'm here by myself in the house and I've been here all weekend and it's been kind of nice. I just knocking around. And when you have a kid and if you're a parent, you know this, if you have a TV room, anytime the family's together in the TV room, whatever's on the TV is usually for the kid. Yeah. So I have been catching up on some adult television for the past weekend, uh, yesterday and, and Saturday. And I had, I didn't like, I didn't like Justice League so much. That when Aquaman came out and it made a ton of money and everybody was going to see it, I said, you know what? I'll wait until it comes on television. So yeah. I went on pay-per-view and I, uh, I got Aquaman. Did you like Aquaman? I, th- I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. It did such big business and I heard so many great things about it that I was really surprised. I thought it was fine. But it was, I, that's, where I, that's what I took on it, yeah. But it certainly wasn't uh, up to par with most Marvel films. I don't see how it made a billion dollars. I don't either. That blows my mind. The film was basically long stretches of exposition interrupted with video game style action. A lot of it looked like a first person video game. I think the thing that got me, the reason I enjoyed it so much is because some of the characters looked like they were supposed to look. Visually, it was stunning. That's the part I enjoyed about it. Atlantis, all the underwater stuff, the special effects, all top notch. Ocean Master, Aquaman, they all looked. Costumes were great. 
But a lot of it was, well, your mother, she went when she came back, we put her in the trench. And right. So she's not every time someone opened their mouth, it was some big chunk it of was exposition. A monologue. I don't know <laughs> how Willem Dafoe showed up in that scene where he's like, Well, this is the trident of your father, and we found out we've got this magical machine that tells you the story, and but you have to go to the place where and then they go to Sardinia. It's like, well, you have to go to the sea beyond the end of the seas and go there to the desert. And then they get to the desert. Like, well, you have yeah. to put the thing. Everything was a description of what was going to happen next. The desert thing was a little bit like, what are we doing? It was sort of like Indiana Jones, but not quite. And, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm quibbling, but it seemed like there was no dialogue of just people having conversations in that film. It was always everything, about what was going to happen or what had happened. Everything was just so grounded in the story. They had so much ground to cover. I think they were just trying to, like, everyone has to understand. And Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. And you killed my father, and I was in the sub, and now I'm good. And I'm good. I'm Black Manta, and, and I'm going to take apart this gun and, and and put it into a suit, and I've got access to their technology. I was like, how does he know how to no, take I apart an, an, a, Ancient an Atlantis yeah. gun and then <laughs> augment it, would put it on a, like a biker helmet? Without blowing his head off. Yeah. But I mean, visually is what like Man- Black Manta looked good. Looked Aquaman, great. they all looked, looked good, and that's yeah. I think that's what part of the people liking it was. So I realize it's a little late to, re- to review Aquaman, but I just I was thinking of that with this Flash thing. It's like even their successes, ex- with the exception for me of Wonder Woman, have been just and Wonder Woman in the third act wasn't even a great. <laughs> the first two acts of Wonder Woman were great. Yeah, but, I don't know. I liked it. I liked. It. I thought it was uh, the resolution. But I liked it's just it a lot. Marvel's just done such a great job. It's hard to compete with those guys. Yeah, I feel bad for DC sometimes. Uh, more movie news. We talked about this before. They are rebooting Child's Play. We talked about this. Chucky yeah. is coming back. I'm sorry. I, I've used the uh, the incorrect terminology. They say it's not a reboot. It's a contemporary reimagining. Please use the correct phraseology. It's a reboot. They are bringing back Chucky. Aubrey Plaza stars in this film. The little kid gets a buddy doll, but this time apparently it's not possessed with the spirit of a killer. It's uh, the AI goes AI takes wrong. over, right? His chip gets bent or it's something. It's Cyberdyne. Right. And now they have the voice, at least. Mark Hamill, it has announced, will be the voice of Chucky in this reboot. Mark Hamill, legendary, of course, Luke Skywalker, but also a terrific voiceover actor. He will be doing the voice of Chucky, who I assume will sound a lot well, like the, the Joker. Joker. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> that was uh, announced over this weekend at WonderCon here in Los Angeles. I was torn. I was almost going to go to WonderCon because, as I mentioned, the wife and kid are gone. But I said, hmm, do I really want to just crowded shoulders working my yeah. way across it's in Anaheim the con. Too, right? it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a drive. It's a bit of a yeah. drive. Um, it's the first con in years that I haven't gone to for work. Usually I'm moderating, moderating a panel something, right? or something like that, but nobody asked me to do anything this year. I guess no one gives a shit about me anymore. <laughs> so I was not tapped. <laughs> Although I have to say, with that being said, uh, I do want to once again thank the people at DC Universe who had me come out and play in their sandbox. And I was able to host a celebratory panel for the 80th birthday of Batman. So thanks to everybody there at DC. But um, yeah, no work at WonderCon this year, so I stayed away. But it looks like some cool stuff happened down there, including Mark Hamill talking about the fact that he will be Chucky. And you know, it all ties in. I'm a collector. Uh, With all this Batman stuff we got here in the Batcave, it's pretty easy to tell that I love collectibles. I'm always fascinated by these stories when they talk about something cool that came up for auction. That is the case with uh, this auction house. Moments in Time is the name of the auction house, and they specialize in paper collectibles, uh, important documents, autographs, that sort of thing. 
And they put something up for auction that a lot of people are talking about. I don't know how, how much you know about the Beatles, Eddie. I don't know if they're a favorite band of yours. I like some of their stuff. I'm not a uh, huge Beatles fan. Uh, the Beatles became the Beatles in 1960. That's when they came up with the name for yeah. the Beatles. But before that, John Lennon had a band in the late 50s. Uh, he formed it in 1956 and then later added Paul McCartney and then again added George Harrison to become the Beatles. But originally, uh, his name for the band was the Quarry Men. Q-U-A-R-R-Y Men, as in guys who worked in a quarry. And I did not know this, but he used to gig with that band, and he had a business card that he would hand out. It would say the Quarry Men and then have his contact information on it. Oh, wow. Well, somebody found one of those really? business cards. Yeah, and they're putting it up for auction this week. They say it's roughly 3.5 by 2 inches it's a piece of paper that says the Quarrymen on it with the original information to reach out to Lennon in the late 50s. And they say it is going, starting bid, $32,500 well, for be able, a business card. You better be able to call that number and talk to John yes, Lennon. really. Hello, heaven. Yeah, it's me. Sorry, we're not doing gigs anymore. Not with the Quarrymen. So, yeah. That, I... I always love that stuff. A little piece of paper going for over 30. That's well, it's starting at over 32,000. Yeah, it's going to go more than that. Who knows what some Beatle fan will wow. pony up for that. So you got to be a rich man. That's nuts. Baby, you're a rich man. Today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, Monday, April 1st. Taron Killam is celebrating his 37th birthday today. I always loved him on Saturday Night Live. I thought he was very talented. Now he can be found on the sitcom Single Parents over there on ABC. Singer Susan Boyle is 58. You familiar with Susan that Boyle? That was the uh, American Idol? Or? Uh, no, oh, she, uh, America's Got Talent. She was on Britain's Got Talent. Oh, Britain's Got Talent. I know it was one of those things. If you've never seen the audition of Susan Boyle on Britain's Got Talent, which, as you can imagine, is their version of America's Got Talent, Simon Cowell was one of the judges and a few others. If you've never seen this audition, you should hunt it down on YouTube because it never fails to make me cry. It's ridiculous how emotional I get watching this thing. But you have to know, here is this 47-year-old woman who waddles out on stage, and she's kind of weird. She's got this, this weird attitude. You can tell she's desperately nervous, and she's frumpy. She's wearing, like, this house dress, and her gray hair is unkempt, and she looks like a little bit of a lunatic. <laughs> and when they start talking to her, she sounds like a little bit of a lunatic, and everyone in that room is rolling their eyes and why are we here and Simon Cowell's being very snarky and then she opens her mouth and the change in that room is so magical that I get choked up every time I watch this thing. Here's a little piece of her audition. This is after she's come out and Simon Cowell's already pretty much dismissed him. You can kind of get that vibe in the room and she sings and I gotta tell you something, it still gives me chills. I dreamed a dream in time gone by And the place goes nuts. Everyone is on their feet by the end of the audition. It's a physical manifestation of don't judge a book by its cover. It literally is. And Cal's very funny. After she's done and the place is erupting, he says... I knew when you stepped out on that stage that we were going to have something very special. Oh. He was being, he was being oh, oh, he's, funny. Right, right, he was right. making a joke because he was the most <laughs> dismissive of everyone in that room. But it really is sort of a remarkable moment. 
And then she went on to international stardom, yeah. gold records, and sold out tours. It's yeah. ridiculous. You know what cuts to your sourdough crust. Yeah, exactly. Susan Boyle. To my <laughs> soft, buttery center. <laughs> Actress Allie McGraw is 80 years old today. Rapper turned actor Method Man is 48 years old today. Wu-Tang Clan in the house. <laughs> Reminds me of my days as a rapper on the streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> just, just beatboxing on the street. Let me ask you a question, boys and girls. What other show do you listen to that has Susan Boyle and M-E-T-H-O-D man back to back? That's what I would ask you. Huh? For as little as 15 cents a day, Susan Boyle and Method Man. <laughs> Actress Annette O'Toole from Smallville. And don't forget Superman 3. She was Lana Lang. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's 67 right. years old today. Reggae singer Jimmy Cliff, one of the greats. He's 71 years old today. My days as a backup singer for Jimmy Cliff down wow. there in the islands. You had an interesting life. I have. I'm a man of many <laughs> stories. He's 71 years old today. While we're talking about Superman, Sam Huntington, who played Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns, he is 37. Wow, talk about a misstep, that oh, movie. Oh, man. I always felt bad for Brandon Routh because I thought he was a really good he Superman. He played a really good Clark Kent Superman. Yeah. Well, he was basically doing a he Christopher was, yeah, Reeve but impression. But he, he did it well. Yeah. And had now that, he's got all the success over on the Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. He plays uh, at the Atom now. Had that been a better written movie, I it think really it could have been, been, been something. And you got uh, Kevin Spacey as Luther. Yeah. Great casting. Yeah. They just fucked up. But they up. just rewrote the first movie. Yeah, they fucked it up. 37 years old today. And singer Rudolph Isley of the legendary Isley Brothers. He's 80 years old today. Isley Brothers, one of the great R&B funk bands of all time. is absolutely going to be on the soundtrack of Benson and Hedges, my uh, 70s detective show that I'm someday going to produce. Anyway, that's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Before we get any further, speaking of show business news, Eddie Pence, is there anything you want to talk about? <laughs> I, Happened over the weekend, perhaps, I that want, we should touch base on? I want to thank everyone in the Garmy that has supported me and got me to funding and 102% now funded. It's, uh, 
Eddie Pence is 102% funded. And I think all you, I mean, I've been doing this, I mean, this is my 20th year doing stand-up, and to finally find a group of people that support me like this, it's like, uh, I'm getting a little choked up about this. Um, it's really, it's unbelievable, and I really uh, do appreciate it. Eddie! He is right. The Garmy is the best, yes. and you guys stepped up in a big, bad way. All you uh, Garmy members and all you idiots, all you members of the Care Forest and you assholes, you so, uh, you made a little boy's dream come really true. Did. It's a Make-A-Wish Foundation <laughs> moment. Eddie doesn't know he's got a terminal uh, illness, but I, I didn't have the guts to tell him that uh, this special this is going to be it. very special because it's all she wrote, folks. And what a way to go out. Right? What a way to go out. And you guys did not have to support me in that way, and you did, and... It's I I can't even express in words the gratitude that I feel. Oh, that's very sweet. So Eddie, <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Yeah, now you got to make the goddamn special, yeah. Eddie. I think I mentioned on Twitter this is how uh, Trump must have felt when he won. <laughs> like, oh shit, no, <laughs> now I got to actually this. do this. <laughs> or is it April Fool's Day and all the money's gone into Eddie's pocket huh? and there is no special? I did need a new iPhone. You guys are such suckers. <laughs> that's why we saved up the big reveal for April Fool's Day. This is the gag. Eddie's Thank buying himself a new Lexus. It's a down payment on a Lexus, anyway. That'd be a cheap Lexus. <laughs> now, all the money's going to Eddie's production, and uh, that goes into production in April, April right? April 19th and 20th, we're shooting. If you guys are in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and you want to get into the show, uh, shoot me an um, uh, email, and I'll try to comp some tickets and get you in or whatever. Try to comp some tickets. Well, I'm not in control of the for club. The least you could do for the people who are producing <laughs> I will comp special. you tickets. You Dear will have comped tickets. My Lord. Just See what happens? Me. See what happens when they hit the big time, boys and girls? They start the big shitting time. on the little man. They shit on the regular oh, person. I can't wait to forget all you people. That's all I'm saying. Well, congratulations. Thank that you is uh, the best entertainment news we've talked about on this show for a long time. Thank and you guys. as always, my plan was wait, to wait till the end and then make up the difference, whatever you needed, in order to <laughs> get you to your have goal. To do anything. No, I don't have to give anything. <laughs> That's why it's such great news for me. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, whatever Eddie needs to get him to the 100% point at the end of his Indiegogo campaign, we're going to contribute. And she's like, I have no problem with that. So I figured, well, maybe if, you know, makes half of it, it's five grand or something. I don't care. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Oh, thank you. But I don't have to but do, they don't anything. do anything. It's the thought that counts. Because you people are the best. <laughs> and you saved me all the money I was oh, going to spend. Brilliant. In fact, I should probably get whatever is over. Oh, that's right. 100%. I owe you 2%. That's what I'm of thinking. Whatever that is. Right. So <laughs> all anyway. this is due to you. Congratulations, Eddie Pence, on fully funding your special. And uh, we're looking forward Thank to you seeing guys. that. Thank you. Uh, while we're talking about entertainment news that we are sort of uh, recapping and revisiting. Last week, I think it was, we were talking about Ariana Grande, and we're talking about the fact that she has this ridiculous contract that you must sign if you want to take photos of her in concert. You have to take photos in the first three songs of the concert. That's as, as much as you can take. You have to do it from a designated area. You have to write, sign over all the rights to the photos that you take to her. They become her property after you That's take the pictures. That's the hard pictures. part. That's the part I can't wrap around. You have to ask permission to use them. And if she does give you permission, you can use it once for a news story about the concert. That's the only way you can use those photographs. Hardly seems worthwhile to take her picture. It doesn't picture. seem like worthwhile at all. Anyway, when we talked about the story, uh, a great member of the Garmy named Al Manorino. Hey, I got it right. Nailed it. He reached out and said, hey, that's what I do. I'm a concert photographer, and all the photographers are talking about this story. I'm glad you brought it up. If you'd like to get some additional information about the job and also about this particular case 
please, let's talk. And so we did just that. I sat down with Al. We recorded an interview. Here is my chat with Al talking about the life of a concert photographer and also this particular case with Ariana Grande. I think you'll enjoy it. Al, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me, Ralph. Now, uh, Ariana Grande, if I read the story correctly, she's got a ton of requirements that you need to fulfill, and you have to sign this document before you can even take photos at her concert. Uh, You have to turn over the rights to the photos to her, right? Yes, it's a rights grab, is what they call it. That's that's insane, first of all. Then you can only take... You can only take photos of the first uh, three show, uh, three songs in her show. After that, you can't take any more. You have to do it from a designated spot in the concert hall. I mean, all these requirements. Is this normal? Does this happen all the time? So that, that's a great question. Um, it's actually really normal about the, the three songs designated area. Um, actually, uh, your boy Bruce Springsteen, uh, the rumor is that he started that uh, back in the 80s. Where he was kind of bombarded with... Uh, flash photographers, paparazzi in the in the photo pit, and he like uh, the the story goes that he walked off stage because he was just literally blinded by the light. I wonder if that inspired <laughs> the song or not. But uh, yeah, so three songs no flash um, is 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 like a standard policy when it comes to playing you know a small venue um, or you know something like Madison Square Garden. So that's normal. The the thing that um, you know the reason I even. Uh, reached out to you and the reason it's kind of making news is because of this you know this rights grab this this uh you signing away all of your rights to the photos that you're taking the photos that you're editing um that you know you put in for a a press pass to get or you know were assigned from a publication and uh, even the publications are up in arms about it i can imagine because if if you're shooting for rolling stone or people or whatever they don't want to give up the rights to those photos Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, someone like, uh, you know, Getty or uh, Shutterstock, people who, um, you know, take photos for other publications to kind of, you know, buy and use for uh, for different things. Um, they're even getting, you know, um, denied access to some of these artists. I think Mumford and Sons recently prevented uh, like some major outlets from covering uh, their their tour because they they don't have the rights to their photos after someone takes them at the show. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not just Ariana Grande or Mumford and Sons. There's people like Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, the Stone Roses. They've all done that kind of stuff in the past. Um, it's just, it's not, it's really not fair for, t- for photographers. You know, a lot of these photographers don't even get paid to attend these shows. Um, you know, for these outlets, they're doing it for exposure. They, they really need these photos so they can actually, um, you know, promote themselves as a professional photographer. And, you know, with, with her contract, she's basically saying, like, um, you know, you not only have to get approved for this photo pass, but once that's done, you need actual written approval to use those photos anywhere else. She owns those now. It's crazy. And the agreement says that you can only use them if she does give you, if she, if she comes down off of Mount Olympus and decides to allow you to use a photograph, you can only <laughs> use it once in conjunction with a news story regarding her, and then that's it. You, you get a one-time pass to use that photo. Yeah, I've I've actually run into that before. Um, some some of these um, these copyright, uh, you know, these uh, these rights grabs are um, there. There's times where I've had to, you know, I've had to sign sign something like this, but I've reached out to say the PR company or the label and said like, hey, you know, we want to, we don't want to just use one photo. We'd like to use a gallery, or we'd like to be able to use these on social media. And most of the time, they're they're pretty lenient about it, but. What it's saying, like something like an Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift, 
Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. And that's why a lot of these publications are just, you know, they're like, you need to change this language. This is crazy. Now, what is the motivation behind all this? Is it greed or is it control or maybe a combination of both? It has to be control. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, I don't understand when they have something like this, because why not just hire your own personal photographer? Don't allow any other photographers in the pit. Like you will have 100% control if you hire just one photographer to follow you across the country. So it, it really has to be more of a control thing than anything else. Um, you know, but then, you know, she has the option of taking these photos and, you know, potentially making posters or t-shirts or anything like that. She has the rights. And that's that's really a problem. So I guess, yeah, it'd be a little bit of both. That's I never thought about that, but that's true. She can use that for her own merchandising. And yet the photographer who took the shot gets nothing out of the deal. Yeah, nothing. And they they don't even get the, the opportunity to say, hey, I took photos of Ariana Grande because they're not allow, allowing that photographer to, you know, post on Instagram or Facebook, uh, you know, that they covered this this huge tour, this huge artist. Wow. What's the resolution going to be? I mean, I know a lot of photographers are talking about not signing the agreement. Uh, I know, as you mentioned, uh, news outlets also are up in arms. I mean, what? where do you see this going? Uh, I think this is it's a lot of bad press that she's getting personally, at, you know, with, with these photographers bringing up this issue. And now that the publications are involved, I think the next step is probably they're going to have to just go into that contract and, and, and change some of the language because – it's it's not a good look for her and it's not a good look for artists going forward with uh, you know photographers that want to see these artists live and and be able to you know see these huge spectacles capture it and be able to to write about it and to to show everyone these amazing setups i, I don't think uh i don't think it's a, it's a smart move to kind of keep this attitude and this this contract going forward Look, and, and the bottom line is she needs the publicity, you know, that's what keeps the machine running, and she needs those photographers to take those pictures. So I think you're right. There's going to have to be some sort of compromise between the two sides. Absolutely. Well, Al, it's fascinating uh, that you do this for a living, and I really appreciate you coming on board and sharing some of your expertise with us today. It's, it's been great. Anytime, Ralph. And before we say goodbye... Today, besides being April Fool's Day, is also an important day if you're a James Bond fan because today is the day that Netflix is pulling all of the Bond movies off of their service. Man. Which I think is a real disgrace. One of the great film franchises in history. If you're calling yourself a movie streaming service, how do you just dispense with the Bond How series? do you not have a Bond on there? It's crazy. It is ridiculous. It's crazy. And a member of the Garmy reached out a couple weeks ago and said, I got an idea. Why don't you guys, you and Eddie and Steve, talk about your favorite James Bond actors, your favorite Bond movies, and your favorite Bond themes. So I thought as we're saying goodbye to 007 from Netflix today, it's the least that we could do. So now we're going to reveal our favorite Bonds, starting with me, because I like me. Um, I'm starting with my favorite Bond, and I don't think anybody has ever been better in the role than the man who created it, Sean Connery. It made him an international superstar, but he made Bond one of the most beloved movie characters of all time. He was tough. He was funny when he wanted to be. He was sexy as hell. He had all those smoking hot Bond girls crawling all over him. Connery is absolutely my favorite Bond. So it's no surprise that my favorite Bond movie would be a Bond that starred Sean Connery. Now, a lot of people immediately think of Goldfinger, which is great. It's a great Bond film. 
But for me, I like the one that followed Goldfinger called Thunderball. That was the one that took place in the Bahamas and had all that cool underwater action, which I thought was really bitching. Spectre looms large in this story. It's really, it's one of my favorite films, besides being my favorite James Bond movie. And speaking of Bond girls, it features my favorite Bond girl, an Italian actress named Luciana Paluzzi. She is a smoking hot uh, Italian redhead. You don't see a lot of those, but just busty and sexy. And she is the first really female Bond villain. She plays a character called uh, Fiona Volpe, whose job it is to assassinate 007 for uh, for Spectre, and obviously she doesn't succeed, no. but she's terrific in that. So no surprise that my favorite Bond theme song comes from that movie. It's called Thunderball, sung by the great Tom Jones, and it is just such a 60s Bond thing. Big brass behind it. Tom Jones is in great voice talking about how cool 007 is. Here's a little taste for those who aren't familiar. Tom Jones singing the theme from Thunderball. never knew what striking like a thunderball meant because there really is no ball of yeah, thunder don't really doesn't make any sense just as the code name for the uh the two atomic warheads that the, that nato ah. that goes missing in the story but they had to work it into the song somehow and i have giant balls so i always wondered if maybe i have thunderballs maybe you're thunderball so it tied secret in, agent thunderball i didn't even more so it wouldn't be fair to do a James Bond segment without reaching out to our own Brit. After all, Bond is a British creation. So I got a hold of Steve Ashton on the phone, and I asked him what his favorite James Bond was, favorite Bond movie, and favorite Bond theme song. Steve, I need to know, what's your favorite James Bond? Who's your favorite James Bond? Your favorite James Bond film, and then your favorite James Bond theme. Well, just like you, Ralph, it's got to be Connery all, all day long. There is nobody who even comes close. Daniel Craig, for me, is the second best, mainly because he's a Liverpool supporter and he's from Liverpool. Um, so that's my favourite Bond. Favourite Bond movie, it's got to be Goldfinger. I mean, just so iconic. Um, the the lady being painted gold and the gadgets and, and, uh, and the that's car, where right? I think... Yeah, the car. That's where I think Bond really became... You know, sort of synonymous. Well, Connery became synonymous with that character. Um, and then my favorite theme tune is actually not from a Connery movie. It's from uh, it's by Paul McCartney and Wings, of course. Live and Let Die. Yeah. Oh, Live and Let Die. So no, I think it was really good. It's because I love the da na 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 na. That was so Bond. So I have to say, yeah, Live and Let Die, my favorite theme tune. Well, as a tribute to Steve Ashton and his choices, here's a little taste of Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die.
first Bond movie I ever saw in a theater was Living. Oh, really? It's yeah. a great song. Saw man. it in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, the summer vacation down there, a little theater on the boardwalk. How old were you when you saw it? Uh, I was 73, so I was nine years old when I first saw it. Yeah, That's it minus one. Changed my life, man. It was just so cool. Um, and then there's Eddie Pence. And I'm telling you, he can almost not fail with this list because Bond is so cool. It's almost hard to pick a horrible one. Who's your favorite James Bond of all time, Eddie? Uh, Roger Moore. Is Roger my, Moore. I'm, well, that's I'm, the Bond you grew up that's on, my, right? It's the Bond of the 80s. I'm a kid of the 80s, and that's just my first Bond I saw in a theater was, like I said before, Octopussy. Yeah. My dad took me. Yeah. I know it's what not the best choice. It's not a great... It's not the, my favorite Bond, but it's the first Bond I saw in a theater, and I remember that's, when... He, at, that, at that point, Roger Moore is, I think... He's mailing 93 it. 93 years old. <laughs> And, and he, he dresses up as a clown. Yes. As James and Bond. And there's also one where he's got he's the little plane is in the back of that horse trailer and the horse's <laughs> yeah, ass raises right. up and the plane comes out. Yeah. Um it's not a great film. No, it's but not. uh Roger Moore's my favorite. And then when he sort of like spoofed himself in Cannonball Run yeah. as Roger Moore. Yeah. I mean I just I he I've always liked Roger Moore. All right. Uh what's your favorite Bond movie of all time? Uh Man with the Golden Gun. Uh you know what? I think that's my favorite Roger Moore Bond film of all time. It's my favorite. It's um, you got Knickknack in it. You got Christopher Lee in it. Great henchman, great villain, great theme song. Great theme song. Great uh, locale. That island that uh, Scaramanga lives on is just amazing. You're absolutely right. That's a good, good pick, Eddie. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, man. That I that you did not say <laughs> Timothy Dalton first of all. So that was a win. I kind of dropped out of Bond when when Roger Moore left the franchise. Yeah, I was kind of I was a little bummed about it, and I just didn't watch the next Timothy Dalton one. Yeah, I just didn't care. We all did. And then a uh, good choice with Man with the Golden Gun. So here's your last chance to fuck things up. <laughs> oh, give me a what is your favorite James Bond theme song of all time? Hold my beer. Right. Um, of you to a kill. That's not a bad Bond really? theme. Okay, okay. Right. You could have picked Madonna's or oh, something no, awful. No, I mean, no. there are bad Bond themes, no, but View to a Kill is, first of all, Duran Duran. the best thing in that movie. Oh, by, that a, need, by a long shot is the theme song. That and he bangs Grace Jones. That's that's <laughs> and that's the first time I've ever seen Christopher Walken be bad in anything. He had bleach blonde hair. He had that bad oh, sort of uh, Doc Brown shock oh, of hair. God, it's just movie. it was it's awful. It's a big fight on top of a Zeppelin. Oh. It's just madness. But what's his, uh, the girl? Who was the girl? She was hot. Oh, Tanya Roberts. Oh, yeah, she, one of the worst Bond. Oh, terrible actress. Terrible actress. Second, maybe hot. only to uh, the one in the Pierce Brosnan film. Who was the Charlie Sheen's ex-wife. Oh, uh, uh, Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Christmas Dr. Jones. Christmas comes early this what year. What the hell's her name? Oh, fuck. Denise Richards. Denise Richards, thank you. Um, she is awful as well. She's probably the worst. But the View to a Kill is an awful film. It's but you're absolutely great. It's a great theme song. Duran Duran <laughs> with a View to a Kill. How they work the theme into that, uh, oh, yeah. into that mix. This is a great scene. song. I love that song. Great stuff. The movie's terrible. Though. There you go, boys and girls. Those are our answers for our favorite Bond facts. And again, uh, pour a little out for your homie as James Bond leaves Netflix. Luckily, oh. I own them all on Blu-ray. Yeah. See, that's why I, I, people mock me because I still have Blu-rays in my collection. But 
when that shit happens, when you're on a streaming service and they pull stuff away that you love. If you don't own the physical copy, it, you don't control it. At least I got it in my home. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Come on back Tuesday. Tomorrow, by the way, is TV Tunes Tuesday. And I haven't received it yet, but word is on the street. Huggy Bear has told me that John Cooperman will have a new theme for TV Tune Tuesday that will be debuting tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss that. So come on back. I love you. Mean it. Bye.